Hi, this is Andy with another quick take uh, for Straight to Laserdisc. This episode's going to be about the Hidden Fortress, Akira Kurosawa's uh, 1958 movie, and also uh, Death Wish from 1974. Now, why do I pair these two together? Because, well, I watched them the same day, so why not? And I hadn't had never seen both. But I think, more importantly, these movies are... I wouldn't say obscure to a modern audience, um, one more so than the other, but definitely their impact is felt um, even today, especially with a certain company that owns Mickey Mouse and <coughs> Star Wars. <coughs> now, while The Hidden Fortress was directed by, as I said, um, Akira Kurosawa, he's a famous Japanese director. Um, some other movies that I've seen him do... Uh, direct or Rashomon, uh, Throne of Blood, which is a Macbeth remake, and um, and Yojimbo, which um, we did a podcast episode about between comparing that and A Fistful of Dollars. And he's a guy that typically takes um, traditional Japanese themes, but also uh, with a Western influence and how Western influence um, influences are actually creeping into Japanese culture and society. I, I mean, he presents that most of the time as... Um, he, he, he likes the preservation of, of Japanese um, culture. So I guess he's a conservative with a little c in most cases. But The Hidden Fortress is um, a movie about... it. Well, it starts out with, with two kind of low lives two thieves that uh two peasants who are uh running away from from this aftermath of a battle uh between one clan and another this the uh uh Az- azuki I, I think <laughs> if i'm pronouncing that right pronouncing that right uh clan has been completely demolished by uh this other clan and um essentially they they stumble they they hear rumors they get captured a few times and they they hear that um the conquering clan is searching for all this gold and also a princess that has gone missing and um essentially these thieves find well not thieves because they don't steal too much in the movie but uh, these two peasants find gold in the mountains and they come across this guy um who's played by uh, Toshiro Mufuni, who's a regular in Kurosawa movies, um, and but it turns out he's a famous general and he's trying to lead the princess back to safety to another to a ally clan. And uh, the the story is told in from the perspective of these two uh, peasant characters. Now, you know, on the surface, it's. It's a good movie in its own right, although it had some, at least I found some pacing issues, um, particularly with the two peasants. It it, it feels almost repetitive of their greed of trying to find this gold and trying to take it for themselves, and they keep getting um, the the party in trouble because they are, because Tashiro Mufuni's character is using them to basically carry all the gold to the ally clan so they could rebuild um the princess's clan and um 
so it, that gets a little repetitive. Like, okay, we get the point. But its most famous influence uh, is on a certain someone named George Lucas. <laughs> the jiggly gels of George Lucas. He um, he saw the movie with, uh, well, it, it, his friend John Milius. He was a, a screenwriter, John Milius, who wrote Apocalypse Now and uh, some other movies. He took him to George Lucas to see a Kurosawa movie, and George apparently fell in love with it. And he said that after seeing Hidden Fortress, he wanted to tell his space opera story from the perspective of two, like, kind of lowlier characters, which end up being R2-D2 and C-3PO. And also the... He he said in an interview that the princess element of of uh, his movie Star Wars, a little movie Star Wars, is uh, was purely coincidental. But there are a lot of other compare and contrast that you can make between Hidden Fortress and Star Wars, and that's kind of been talked to death. So I won't go totally into it. I you know I, I leave it up to you to watch it yourself. Um, so I'd recommend that you guys whoever's listening watch hidden fortress just to to see how the how hollywood influenced japan but then japanese movies eventually influenced and revolutionized hollywood and movies today you know without star wars what would the movie industry look like and it's all traced back to this movie that's sort of i it's not forgotten if you're you know, a movie buff, but, you know, it flies under the radar to most uh, moviegoers, I, I'd say. I mean, but it's it's just really interesting to to see just how both characterizations and scenes are sort of ripped from the hidden fortress and put into space and uh, in a galaxy far, far away. Now, the other movie I watched the other day was Death Wish never seen it before i saw death wish 3 which is one of the best worst movies ever but um this movie came out in 1974 and it per- portrays um charles bronson as the star he was um you know he starred in great movies like the great escape the magnificent seven uh once upon a time in the west but he had kind of fallen out from from uh leading roles from what i reckon and this movie death wish was or revitalized his career now this movie i found to be pretty good overall i'd I'd say you know it's simple in its plot you know a a guy um is trying to he, he he becomes a vigilante after his wife and daughter are not only brutally raped but uh, but murdered and that that scene of the wife and daughter um being raped it's just it's honestly horrifying to watch and i honestly threw up <laughs> like i wanted to throw up i it just it's hard to really stomach and um so it's not for the shall i say just sensitive viewers out there um I mean, Jeff Goldblum is one of the 
the, he, one of his first roles is one of the rapists in the movie. But from what I understand, the movie was trying to portray what New York had become during the 1970s. My dad has talked, he grew up in the Bronx and he talked about how New York was a very rough neighborhood, you know, a rough city. It just filled with crime and, um, you know, I don't want to say no hope, but it had come a long way. It has come a long way since then. But the movie I found troubling because of its morality. In a sense, Charles Bronson is a guy, he's, we're told that he's a heart-bleeding liberal, like verbatim, that's what he, that's what one of his co-workers says, and he's a heart-bleeding uh, liberal, although, um, you know, without being t- told that, I wouldn't have really gotten that, per se, but he, he's an architect, Charles Bronson's character is a, is an architect, and we find out Throughout the course of the movie, he hate, hated guns because his dad was accidentally killed on a hunting expedition. But while he is meeting with a client for a potential um, build, the guy sees that he was pretty good with guns because he was a Korea, he was a conscientious uh, objector. And uh, But his client buys him a gun. He gives him a gun. And Charles Bronson is motivated to basically take this the law into his own hands after his daughter is is basically she's um catatonic after um the rape and um so basically he goes through a series of entrap trying to entrap uh muggers like like just so that he can kill them it's it is like cold-blooded murder so you're uh, one sense you're like i guess they deserved it but it's not (laughs) it's not but it's not the perpetrators that hurt your wife or daughter so these are just guys that you're you're just killing because you that you think you deserve it so it has like a weird moral just the, the movie has weird morals and i think at the time reviewers were like this is not 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 acceptable, but like, what are you actually trying to say with the movie? And the author, it's it, it, like almost the movie sort of promotes vigilantism, uh, vigilantism. But the author of the book, because this was based on a book, uh, go figure. Yeah, it was uh, the guy apparently said that the move that through his book he was trying to do the opposite, saying like, hey, you know, don't take the law into your own hands, but. Um, and I don't think the movie really treats it, um, the law like that um, to an extent. I, I think there is still some elements of like, hey, don't do this. But it's a, a little bit too gray, um, perhaps, uh, for for some audience members. I mean, I thought when I was watching it, like, it was pretty good, but... I just couldn't fully get behind the character because of that fact of like him entrapping people to murder them. Uh, but overall, in terms of the nuts and bolts of the movie, I think Charles Bronson is fine in the movie. He's quite reserved. Um, 
for most of it. Um, uh, the, the cinematography, I thought, kind of reminded me of a Stanley Kubrick film, especially A Clockwork Orange, which is weird, uh, although the cinematographer of the movie never worked with Kubrick. I, I thought it, that was kind of odd. And I thought the direct... It, it was short, too. It's like only about 90 minutes, so it, it, you, you get in and you get out with this type of movie. Uh, so it's not a... Um, a huge time commitment, but oddly enough, like a movie like this, which is, you know, it's shot like a B movie, almost. It has like a B movie plot, but its cultural impact was pretty significant too. Like similar to Hidden Fortress, maybe not to the same degree. Uh, you know, create helping create multi billion dollar franchises, but. Um, you know, it's just been, Death Wish has been so infused into the, was it so infused into the culture of like, you know, it's referenced in um, like, I, I, like The Simpsons uh, or, uh, you know, the other movies and shows and whatnot. You know, they made five of these movies. Um, but this movie compared to Death Wish 3, because that's the only other one I've seen, um this movie treats its subject matter a bit more seriously. There's a bit more. There's more art to it compared to <laughs> Death Wish Three, which is just borderline ridiculous. Um, and I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone out there who's listening to this. Um, the the few of you who are, but yeah, if you just want to see the influence that because a lot of these vigilante movies and death wish has had been copycatted again and again and again especially throughout the late 1970s and 80s you know there you won't believe how many b c d z movies there are that uh rip off death uh death wish so um you know, just for that alone, I think it's it's an interesting watch just to see it, the influence of it. It you know you got to go back to the source, and so in terms of like historical, um, uh, it, it, yeah, if you want to know the history of certain movies, I'd say maybe I guess watch Death Wish. It's the reason why I watched it because I'm like I've never seen it. I know that it's been ripped off so much. Um, there were five other movies, uh, you know, well, four other movies after the first one. So, uh, I'd guess watch it for that perspective, but it's, it's all right. I know I won't watch the, uh, the remake with, uh, Bruce Willis or probably any of the other ones, but yeah, so those are two of the movies I watched, uh, pretty recently. Hidden Fortress, which is... I, I maybe I should hype that one up more. It's it is beautifully shot. I mean, Akira Kurosawa knows how to frame um, his movies, and what I like is that they're like multi layered. There's there's like in certain scenes. There's something happening in the foreground, uh, you know, middle ground and and background. It's just like there's so much going on, but it it's not like an overload of the senses. It's um it 
picks and chooses those moments and does it effectively. I just wish it was maybe a little bit shorter. And because um, the characters, I think, are really fleshed out um, well. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just. Yeah, that that's my one gripe with it. But it's just it's an interesting uh yeah both of the movies are interesting just to look from a movie historical perspective so that's the only reason why i'd recommend at least death wish hidden fortress is actually a good movie so i'd say you know better a much better movie so i'd say to watch that um anyway uh if you listen this far i'm sorry for my ramblings uh but uh if you want to send me other movies i should watch what should I review next? You know, smash that like button, uh, like us and share us, comment below, let me know, kind of whatever <laughs> hoo-ha that other uh, podcasts do. But these are my two cents, and I'm sorry for all the uhs and ums and e. But I didn't write down a script, so I'm going off the cuff with this. I'm sorry. All right. As always, peace and love and part-time. Part-time. Part-time.